On this week's episode of Just Talking, Katie returns from Portland and we talk about hunting ghosts. We talk about inhumane experiments on humans, including testicular transplants, gay guys hooking up in bathrooms in the 60s, pregnant women getting iron, and young soldiers radioactive iron and young soldiers getting mustard gassed and some other stuff we talked about some other stuff let's dive in let's talk about it anything and everything let's discuss this calmly and rationally come on in here let's talk about it wait 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 let's discuss this welcome back to just talking katie is back and in living color she's wearing a shirt that you guys can't see because we're not doing video today but it's it's a nice shirt it's lavalette Almost half the stuff I was love at. Katie, say hi. Hi. I'm back. Tell <laughs> it's him, me. Tell everyone how Portland was. First time in Portland ever. That's why you weren't on the show last week. Yes. First time in Portland ever. Um, it's a beautiful city. The doom and gloom, I can't. It just doesn't sit well with me. The raining every 15 minutes. Constantly covered in clouds. I'm a California girl. As terrible and cliche as that is, I like sunshine and can't really live without it. So couldn't see myself living there, but I really like the people, super friendly, didn't get to do my ghost tour like I planned on doing, which is something I do in every new city I go to. Tell them why you couldn't do your ghost tour. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> she booked it and forgot what date she booked it on and then was checking the date and realized she missed it. Yep. <laughs> really stupid. All right. A real Katie move. But the night that we were, that I thought it was on, my friend and I were like, eh, let's just stay in. Like, we're tired. We had a long day. And, like, try and go tomorrow during the day and do a tour during the day. And I looked at the email and it said the tour was the Friday, the day before I was looking at the email. <sighs> so I had missed it like a dumbass. All right. No ghosts. No ghosts. No ghosts. But you had fun. Did I tell you what the tour was going to be? No. Sorry. I, I didn't know what I had signed myself up for. I've been on ghost tours before, and it's always the same thing. It's a guide takes you around, tells you ghost stories or the history of the city. And sometimes there's, like, reenactments or there's theater weirdos who come in and, and reenact certain things. This one, I read the descri- description also after the fact, not like after booking it, they were going to send us to haunted locations, give us ghost hunting equipment, which is just like a voice recorder and I don't know, e- they call them, I think it's EMF mm-hmm. detectors and just have you go and hunt for ghosts and see if you experience anything. How weird is that? So they weren't even they weren't even like helping you. They were just like, here, here's some bullshit ghost like metal detector. Go have fun. I guess. Well, no, I think they were going to take you around and tell you the ghost stories, but they were going to bring you to certain locations and then like give you a chance to just hang out for however long and try and pick up anything you got. I don't honestly don't know. The description was real bizarre. And the description didn't have the right date. Or it did and you just didn't see it. For whatever reason, I was dead set on, pun intended, I was very set on it being that Saturday. So I had it in my mind it was for Saturday, but then idiot me booked it for Friday and just 
completely ignored the fact that I booked it for Friday and not Saturday. And just kind of put it in my mind. Thought it was Saturday. Yeah. Not smart. <laughs> Do you know that I went on a ghost tour once in college? No. I my didn't know that. my then girlfriend's brother's girlfriend. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, her, so her brother's girlfriend, we were all Sonoma State, was in charge of student life activities or something like that. And they hired one of those TV ghost detectors to come give a talk. And she was worried no one was going to show up. So we had to go because, you know, please come. No one's going to show up for this guy. So we went and gave a whole talk. And I don't believe any of that. And then I was like, I hear you guys have a haunted classroom. So I was like, what? And I was a freshman. I was like, we have a haunted classroom? Don't think so. Anyway, we all went and this ghost detector guy, you would have ate this up. Walks into the classroom and he's like, now it's just an empty classroom. The light's on. It's just an empty room, right? Daylight. No, it was dark, but it was light. The light was on. And he walks into the room and says, ghost, we are not here to harm you. We are not here to capture you. We are here as friends. I would have chimed in and been like, yeah, what he said. I was like, excuse me, sir, do you do this to every empty classroom you walk into? Because you're kind of being a lunatic. No, just the haunted classrooms. It was it was so bizarre. I was almost, I was almost laughing. Like this can't be real. <laughs> you keep you guys can't see this, but Jimmy has his one microphone on a stand and he just keeps pushing it back and forth between the two of us. Yeah, well the audio hasn't been great. Well this will be better. It's just, it seems really um, silly. All right. Well, while, since last weekend, I've baked four apple pies. I just posted a how to make an easy apple pie for idiots on YouTube. Because the simplest, did you hear? Oh, you were. I bet the idiots will appreciate that. Someone better make it and say, hey, I made your apple pie recipe. It's really good. Courtney, Courtney and Brett, my sister and her husband made it and it came in. It won. They, they had to go to this party where you bring pies and you, each person, so Brett was supposed to make a pie. Courtney's You're competing to... against one other person. So. Yes. So they made my recipe. And then they bought. And then they bought. Oh, I don't say that. They bought a pie from Safeway. Why? Oh, I beat the professional pie. No, but they were supposed to bring, the point of the game was both people were supposed to bring their own homemade pies. Yeah, I'm they sure they cheated. Admitted. I'm sure they admitted it. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, two episodes ago, I told the story about King Henry the Twelfth getting hit in the head with a joust and a wooden splint going through his eye into his brain and his wife, Catherine de' Medici, getting the best surgeons in Europe and putting a splint through the prison, putting a wooden splint through four prisoners' eyes, killing them so the surgeons can practice on the prisoners before they practice on the king. Didn't work. He died. But you said... Let's do an entire episode on human experimentation um, throughout history. Yes. Last week we skipped it because you weren't here. I did bystander effect. Now we're doing this. Do you want to go first? So I have one case that I I printed out a 30-page scholarly article. I read it. This is what I like doing. You don't have to feel bad. Or, no, uh, I thought you were going to... Are you going to read the whole 30 pages on this podcast? You think I'm going to just read 30 pages? No, I read it. I underlined some interesting stuff and I'm going to oh. give it to you in my voice. That's what this podcast is about. I do the heavy lifting and the research and then I just tell people what I found in like an easy to digest way. 
because this research paper was written like a nerd. Oh, okay. But you, Katie, is just going to, you're going to list off a bunch of different ones. Well, I just found an article that gives a brief synopsis for 30 different cases of human experimentation throughout history, all of which are pretty messed up. The the, fir- the 30th, the first one that they listed was not messed up at all. It was just really bizarre. Like, Sounds more interesting. Can I, I'll just tell you really quick. Yeah. It was the scientist who found it fascinating and couldn't understand why gay men were being persecuted for, for having committing sexual acts in bathrooms, public bathrooms. And that was a big thing. That's where men would get arrested, right? Yep. Shout out Vince Lombardi rest stop on New Jersey. Ter- what? That was the classic in New Jersey, the Vince Lombardi uh, rest stop. That was a lot of gay stuff went down there. Oh, why do you? Okay. It's like a known thing. Oh, okay. So, so I shouted it out. Okay. So his, um, so the, is Laud Humphreys. He's a sci- uh, psychologist, I think is what he was. Um, Laud is a terrible name. It sounds Laud. like the beginning of a longer name, but it's not. So he did his PhD dissertation on this phenomenon, on, on this, this problem. Why right? do gay men have sex in bathrooms? That's what No, you, why I, were they being, why was it considered bad? Or what was, what was so, um, what was so, um, well, I'll just read. Okay. So he's a so- can... sociologist and he wondered about the men who commit in, impersonal sexual acts with one another in public restrooms. He wondered why tea room sex is what it was called. And so his, his study was called the tea room. I know all the answers to this. Already. Tea room trade. Basically, he did his whole, he would be the watch queen is what they called it. So the one that would watch out for cops and like stand guard. And he would just sit there and watch these men. Um, Bang it out in the bathroom stall. They wouldn't, well not, it was more fellatio. So yeah, okay. Yeah, bang it out. So. I can tell you exactly why. I'm a sociology minor though, so maybe I have a little leg up. But this is one of those times where like I think common sense prevails in sociology. Does he have a crazy finding? Uh, he found that 54% of his subjects were married yeah. and 38% were very clearly neither bisexual or homosexual. Neither? Yeah. That they were straight, very clearly straight men. I think that means they're closeted. What, I don't know. This was in the, this was in the 60s, so I don't really know. Yeah, my guess would be would if mean. you're gay in the 60s, you're persecuted already because people were hated gay people thought they yeah. were terrible or whatever that what have you they thought they were perverts so if you're gonna go try and get your fix you're not going to be able to do it in public because what if other people see you you're not going to even want to see the person you're doing it with because then they know you the whole thing was about being anonymous so the best place to do that was random strangers in a bathroom stall see i can't even focus on the point of this study or the deeper meaning behind what he found his findings all i think about is how funny is it that this sociologist in training spent However long it says he he studied he observed hundreds of acts of fellatio and interviewed like... many of the participants. So basically, this guy was just like, "Hey, I'll watch out for cops and I'll like I've got your back, but also can I watch and take notes on this scenario here? And then if you could just answer a few questions." And these guys were just like, "All right, sounds good." This is, what's his name? That, I can't get past that. Laud, I just can't. His name's... Laud Humphreys. Laud Humphreys was a voyeur 
dressed up as a sociologist. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. He was like, hey. The, I just the, need an excuse to get in, in that bathroom. <laughs> yeah, in sociology class, like sociology of sexuality. That was probably like the class he was taking his PhD. And there, he was like, I need I need to know what, uh, what should I do my paper on? And the teacher, professor was like, well, what interests do you have? And he's like, ah, I like watching guys give other guys blowjobs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go hang out at the Vince Lombardi rest stop. Observe for three months and then write about it. It's like, oh, this sounds great. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> this no is problem. wonderful. <laughs> Easy A. Um, okay, what well, else? Well, so so Humphrey's research shattered number of a number of stereotypes held by both the public and law enforcement. So I guess his findings had some good conclusion. I, I don't know. Uh, Anyways, okay. Here's his conclusion. In a world where... So. Being gay is persecuted. The gay men tend to do their business behind closed doors in restrooms where they hopefully won't get caught and study. But they're public restrooms. That. But they're probably like late hours at the middle of the night. I guess, yeah, okay. Okay, so then I'll just name... There's 30 here. Do you want me to just read out the names? No, read out the ones that are interesting. A little different. Okay, There's so, like a million syphilis ones. They, oh, yeah, ton, on Wikipedia, tons of syphilis. It was just people were Hepatitis. Given, yeah. Uh, also, malaria. They will. They gave. Uh, but the malaria, it was prisoners, and they were they willingly accepted the experimentation, which I thought was weird. The one that I thought was most upsetting uh, was they. Um, it was. Hold on, I'm trying to find it real quick. It was soldiers, but I can't remember. I can't. Ugh, where'd it go? Um, you can edit all this out, right? Oh my, oh my. Just use control. For oh, here it is. Okay. So the mustard gas tested on American military, uh, military. In 1943, the U.S. Navy exposed its own sailors to mustard gas. There were 17 and 18 year old boys who were just finishing up boot camp or had just started and were a couple weeks in and they would say, Hey, uh, how did they trick them? They asked if they wanted to participate in an experiment that would help shorten the war, but they wouldn't tell them what the experiment was until they had, until they had made it to the lab, right? Um, then they would tell them the experiment involved mustard gas, which is a maybe they left terrible, off the maybe they left off the gas, just mustard. Yeah, like we need you to test out some mustard for us, maybe a little ketchup. I'd do it if I was at the like the grocery store and they're like, "Hey, we got free mustard samples." I'd be like, yes, let me try some, and then they surprise you with, "Oh, we forgot it's not one mustard, little detail." The condiment, it's mustard, the gas. <laughs> I'd be like, "Fuck, you got me." <laughs> you got me. I guess I can't turn back now. <laughs> but for whatever reason, these these kids, I don't know if they were forced to continue and to to be in the experiment. But they participated, and um, the almost all of whom suffered severe external and internal burns, were ignored by the Navy, and in some cases, threatened with the Espionage Act. In 1991, the reports were finally declassified and taken before Congress. 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 So that's really sad. They just plucked these young, you know, soon-to-be soldiers... And just, I mean, poison them with the one of the worst chemical agents well, possible. Do you think they serve their country? No, because at that point they had already well. Because the point, the the goal in that experimentation was that they were testing out new gas masks and suits. 
So say some of the gas masks and suits were faulty, all right? And now because of these boys that got the mustard gas, we the U.S. government knew, hey, that suit, that kid just died in it. That was super faulty. Mustard gas got straight through it. Fix that up. Now they knew that was a problem. That kid that just got mustard gassed, did he serve his country? Katie's in pain. She doesn't want to answer this. I don't. I don't think... I think there's a better... I think... I don't know. No. I think it's just so messed up that no one should have to be a guinea pig. Except for maybe the rapists and murderers. They can be the guinea pigs. That's fine. I mean, he probably did... These kids that got tested on him, they probably went to go help lives. But the problem is they didn't really sign up for... That version. Yeah. Of the, of the life-saving. Yeah, right, no, that's the worst way to go. I mean, like, look at this image. This kid looks... I've never went, so I can't compare it to... I've never... I can't compare what's the worst way to go. <laughs> Jimmy, shut up. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, this was another really messed up one. They gave... Uh, shortly after World War II, with the impending Cold War forefront on the minds of Americans, many medical researchers were uh, preoccupied with the idea of radioactivity and chemical warfare. So the study was done at Vanderbilt University. Um, They took 829 pregnant women and told them they were giving them... I kind of don't want to hear this one. ...vitamin drinks. They lied to these women, told them they were giving them vitamin drinks, knowing full well, these these scientists knew full well that this was not going to end well for these subjects, right? Um, they said that they would improve that the drink would improve the health of their unborn babies. Instead, the drinks contained radioactive iron, and the researchers were studying how quickly the radiostope, uh, radio isotope uh, crossed into the placenta. Af- at least seven of the babies later died from cancers and leukemia. I'm surprised that number is so small. Only seven. What Only seven to the out ones? of 829. And the women themselves experienced rashes, bruises, point, anemia, even... loss of hair, tooth, and cancer. Can you at that point seven out of 800? Can you even trace it? What are the odds that a baby dies of cancer? Because it's a higher number of of cancer and in infancy. That that are that existed in the population. They died of infancy. Yes, or they, they d- just went on the to live babies, lives and died. It just says at least seven of the babies later died from cancers and leukemia. I'm assuming that meant that they I think died that, as babies. No, I think that just means that in their lifetime they died of cancer. Then they wouldn't have included that. Well, they're there saying not be... the mothers. The babies died of cancer, not the mothers. No, the the mothers also did die of cancer. No. Whatever. That sucks. I don't want to hear about babies. Babies and pregnant women are off the list of things I want to hear about when it comes to testing on people or getting murdered. I, if and now, I mean, knowing the things that we know now, if someone ever came up to me and said, "Hey, do you want to be part of a study?" You'd say, "How much?" No, I'd say, "Go fuck yourself. You be part of your study. You take whatever little vitamin pill you're going to be giving me." What if it was to test out the new water slides? At the water park. I'd say no. Because a kid already fell off of one. I'm sure he was the guinea pig. It was the day it opened and some kid flew off the water slide. That was in Dublin. Yeah. right next to us. Yeah. Now they're going through lawsuits, I think. Do you know that's a city water park? Yes. Like, Like, hey, should we build some basketball courts? Should we build some baseball fields? For the kids to play on with our No, it's because our cities are... You know what our city spent all of our money on? Frogs. A new park. 
a really nice new park with huge fields. Well, that's nice, though. But it got vandalized the second it got open. The it was opened. Park? People would go, yeah, someone went in and, like, I think it was spray painted or something. But then we have, like, we have a surplus right now. So they, they want to spend the rest of our money on parking structures. That's smart. That's awful. Just put one parking structure, build some trees around it, you're good to go. Yeah, I guess. Just fix the city. It's just such a small city. like. It... But there's not a lot of parking downtown. There's, I've never not been able to find parking downtown. Okay. Talking about Pleasanton, California. Anyways, you know, sorry. Besides... Give, us, give us one more, then we'll, then we'll go into mine. Okay. Um, uh... So far, you got mustard gas on Navy, kids, and iron testing on pregnant women, and a voyeur who watched uh, strangers give each other blowjobs in bathrooms. Which I don't really know how that was. <laughs> I don't know what he t- was testing on humans. <laughs> I think that was just a... Oh, this one was kind of sad. Oh, great. Let's hear it's it. It's really sad, actually. Oh. In 1965, Canadian... <laughs> this... <laughs> Hold on. I'm edit that out, too. <laughs> I don't know why this is such a weird way to describe someone, but Canadian David, Peter, not even like Canadian citizen... <laughs> okay, in 1965, Canadian David Peter R- It's Riemann. funny to you, do they not have a comma in there? No, no, they That's don't. why it's funny to you, because you're thinking it's like his nickname. Canadian, Canadian David. <laughs> there, there's a comma, and I need to start Canadian David. Okay, so punctuation's important. No, but it's also like, I wouldn't call you American Jimmy. Yeah, American would. Jimmy yeah. James Vincent O'Brien. I would say... American citizen, James Vincent O'Brien. No, have to, or, but the comma will make it work. Okay. In 1965, Canadian David Peter Reimer, 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 one was <laughs> one of those three. Probably none of those three. I'm guessing Reimer. Um, was born biologically male, but at seven months so old. Oop. This is kind of bad. At seven months old, his penis was accidentally destroyed. Accidentally destroyed during an unconventional circumcision by cauterization. They burned his penis off. Remember his little seven-month-old. Okay, can we go back to five minutes ago? I said the last <laughs> thing I want to hear being tested on was babies and pregnant women. They weren't. And then you just threw a penis at me. Like I, Okay, but I, that I, wasn't the testing. Just wait. That wasn't the experimentation. You've done um, three things I didn't ever John want to be tested on. John Money. It's spelt money, but I'm going to guess it's Money. John Money. <laughs> John Money. How could you take that nickname yeah. away from him? John Money. Uh, a psychologist and... Uh, Dr. Money. A psychologist of the idea that gender is learned convinced the Raymer family that their son would be more likely to achieve a successful functional sexual maturation as a girl. Though Money continued to report only success over the years... David's own account insisted that he had never identified as female. He spent his childhood teased, ostracized, and seriously depressed. At age 38, David committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. Really depressing. (laughs) So the experimentation was, well, he doesn't have a a penis, so let's try and trick him into thinking as a girl. And identifying. Either or boobs or anything. Or a period. Right. So. Estrogen. This was in the 60s. This Who's was in the doctor? mid-60s. His name was John Money? That guy John was a, Money. That guy was a fake doctor. Oh, easily. He just, like, had this really crazy belief that, like, well, if we, if we put the idea in his head, might he be helpful for it? <laughs> no, he's going to go up depressed. I mean, he also didn't have a penis, so he, like, 
His life was doomed. Yeah. Um, all right, that's all. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. You don't want to hear about the experiments on newborns? No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, no, no, just no, one more. Just one more. Just one more. And it's uh, Project MK Ultra, which a lot of people know about. I don't. Well, let me tell you. Project MKUltra is the code name of the CIA-sponsored research operation that experimented in human behavioral engineering. From 1953 to 1973... Uh, what? On Treasure Island or whatever? Uh, I don't... No, it happened all over the country. So from 53 to 73, 20-year period, the program employed various methodologies to manipulate the mental states of American and Canadian citizens. These unwitting human tests, so they did not know they were test subjects, were plied with LSD and other mind-altering drugs, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and various forms of torture. Research occurred at universities, hospitals, prisons, and pharmaceutical companies. Though the project sought to develop chemical, um, chemical, says dot, 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 so I don't know what that blank is, chemical materials capable of employment, in, now how do I say this, clandestine operations? I don't know what that word is. Clandestine? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Human? Anyways. Project MKUltra was ended by a Congress-commissioned investigation into CIA activities within the U.S. So, like, the U.S., the government, the CIA, just that entity, that body, was the only one who knew about this. Mm -hmm. The actual government did not know about it. They didn't know what was going on. Not that they would have, I mean, anyways. So they were just, like, torturing people and messing with their mind. And if, I mean, LSD, that's, that's the, not knowing that you're taking it, just being, like, ooh, all of a sudden you're, like, whoa, what's I'm going crazy. on here? I'm crazy. Yeah, not knowing you're taking it and then tripping, that would be crazy. All right, we're moving on. Close. I got. I'm telling. I'm telling okay. you stuff now. Okay. Here's this guy I found about out about. Okay. His name is Leo Stanley. He was the chief surgeon and physician at San Quentin Prison. Oh, I heard about him. Right close to us, from 1913 to 1951. And he was all about ma- male masculinity, stopping it. Or prolonging it. And didn't he do a lot of sterilization? Like he wanted to... Tons of sterilization. Yeah. But the shocking number is that... Let me find this number. By 1940, so he worked there, he started in 1913. By 1940, he had sterilized 600 prisoners. Willingly? Like the prisoners signed up for it? Kinda, but like he kind of tricked him into signing up for it. But that's not even the crazy thing. So he sterilized 600, so vasectomies, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And by 1940, he had also performed 10,000 testicular implants. Oh, yeah, I read about this guy. Okay, you go on. So... But... But don't just stop there. Tell what kind of not implants, but transplants. Transplants, implants, everything. But not just 
human testicles he used. He used testicles of recently deceased or um, so people on death row. The yeah, humans that just died. And then he also used animal testicles. Yeah, sure did. Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to. So he was like, it's still really confusing. So when he showed up at the prison in 1913, they had terrible, like, for safety, for health, it was terrible. It was like, oh, it was like dark, cloudy, everyone was crowded together and shit like that. And he fixed all that. Open airways, all that stuff. That was great. But he also was pissed off because all the races were hanging out together. So he turned, he segregated the prison. Which, 1913, whatever, you're, everyone was racist, not an excuse, but you're racist. So it was like, tricky, like. Is this guy good or bad? He's not good. Not good. The worst thing he did was he oversaw 150 executions and he had a lot of power into if a guy was going to get executed or not. And that was bad. He did a lot of shit. The inhumanity and the experimentation that he did... Definitely trumps anything good he could. That's like saying, no, like, but was this good? The research he did. Well, what did we get out of it? Uh, it worked. Like, he would turn old men. He would. Oh, okay, so let me get to some of the facts I have here about him. Basically, when he want he wanted to sterilize bad prisoners. He was like, if this prisoner was never born, these crimes would have never been committed, and we need to cut off their bloodline. So he was trying to play God. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I do think that the rapists and murderers should all be sterilized. He advocated Fair limiting, enough. Yeah, so he advocated limiting the reproduction of the so-called unfit and encouraging the reproduction of desired populations. So he was trying to, by Isn't sterilizing... Isn't that just eugenics? What? Isn't that just eugenics? So he was trying. So if if you were a minority, basically, or a terrible criminal, he was trying to give Get you a you. vasectomy. He was trying to sterilize you. If you were a quote unquote model prisoner, I guess, good person, probably white and older, he was trying to pump younger testicles into you so you could, so you could have a sex life and reproduce and shit. Pump younger testicles into you. Yeah. It's not the best way to phrase that. Well, that's what he would do. As soon as the body would hang, he would take in his room and cut the testicles out. And one family found out because they saw the body and they were like Ned Kelly, not Ned Kelly, Buddy Kelly, something like that. And they are pissed and they sued. But he won because they said he was doing it in the right uh, medical research. Well, and at that point they're dead. What do they need their testicles for? Well, you can't just go mutilating dead bodies. <laughs> I'm not saying that you should, but in the name of science, and if he's a prisoner, he's pretty much given up his... I mean, at that point, I think all prisoners should be organ donors, just by default. But, now, but you're saying... Yeah, okay. All right. But here... I mean, I'm an organ donor. You can do whatever you want to my body once I'm gone. Yeah. Not right. you. Science. <laughs> here's, here's the poster he put in the yard at San Quentin when he was trying to get sterilized people. He wanted to sterilize some of these prisoners. Recent research workers claim this is his writing on a piece of paper. Recent research worker, recent research workers claim the cutting of the g-string in the male increases his general health and vigor. This simple operation prevents the man from producing children, but it does not interfere with his normal pleasures. In fact, it is claimed that sexual vigor is increased. 
With local anesthesia, the tube which carries the seed from the testicles is cut. This operation does not lay the patient up. Men having syphilis are less likely to transmit this disease if sterilized. Anyone who wishes to have this procedure done on him may apply at the line for sterilization. That was in 1935. And this was just, this was an ad for the prisoners? They we put it up in the yard, like from, oh. from your doctor, Leo okay. Stanley. In five years, and like, in the next yeah, five years, I don't want got any more kids. 400 people. And um, when asked why they volunteered, 67 explained seeming reasonably that they didn't want to have children anymore. And then everyone else just recited stuff that he told them. So these were, these were prisoners that had probably shorter terms or sentences and had plans on of, of getting out and having lives, s- lives again. Yeah. But if you're the doctor and you're in prison in 1931, you are the education system. Like anything you say, they're going to believe. So if the right. doctor's like, He's hey, an authority figure. hey, this is like really good. You'd be like, okay, do it. Cool. Yeah. Then. I don't trust doctors. I don't trust any of but them. But his most crazy experiments were. The, or the, this is what it says. The experiments involved in grafting human testicles from recently executed prisoners to senile recipients. So he was trying to take senile old men and give them younger parts because he was all about manhood and masculinity and see if that made them better. And then when um, some of the deceased didn't provide enough testicular material. He got goats, boars, rams, and deer, and he would take their testicles, grind them up, and then syringe them into into the the prisoners' testicles. That's what he would do. He would grind them up. What was the value? And then syringe them in. The the just the whole te- what? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. He hated old age. He said age can be a tragedy in itself. I was picturing he would use the testicles, like the skin. And the, the skin? Well, the, I mean, the whole unit, like everything inside and then the sack and just like transplant it onto the body. Like imagine going in for a, a vasectomy. She's like, yeah, yeah, cut, go ahead, snip, snip, let's do this. And then waking up with coke ball. <laughs> <laughs> you thought <laughs> Okay, but I get it now. So he was doing tests as like a study. Like he wanted to see what this would do. And then there's some results, like, and you have to tr- you have to w- wonder if this is true, but Mark Williams, a 72-year-old white man, suffered from advanced senility, senile, he was senile, mm-hmm. compounded by various ailments which affect the, afflict the age. Yet all of this changed after a younger man's testicles were grafted into Williams and Stanley reported a marked improvement in the patient's condition. According to nurses' reports, Williams' eyes are brighter and he is more active mentally and physically than a, than a man many years his junior. He has more jazz and pep and the energy of a man years younger than he. Yeah, could, that could all, those could all be false reports. Or just placebo effect or anything. Anything. Well, if he's senile, I don't think placebo effect would really... You, I don't think you can really be there's also, affected by a placebo. There's cases in here where they say like guys uh, were uh, they couldn't get erect anymore and then mm-hmm. they had the testicular things and then they could right okay so like did that work is that actual science well i imagine to some degree yeah i mean if you have an organ that's not working and you replace it with a healthy organ that your body doesn't reject then yeah those functions come back with you know a stronger rate of success right so wouldn't that i mean i guess that would make sense for your reproductive organs too right 
So almost all the subjects reported increased sexual activity. Many who had not had erections for years claimed their virility had been restored. Nothing like goat testicles. Stop it. But I still don't understand how grinding up the testicles. That's what grafting is, isn't it? I thought grafting was what you did with like skin cells and creating more skin. So he wanted to restore manhood, but it also promised to aid in crime control. Like he was also trying to sterilize the, the yeah. criminals. And uh, this is like just has to be straight bullshit. Stanley performed the experiment on a 25-year-old man suffering, he said, from a moron intelligence. <laughs> Stanley told a reporter later that after implant- implantation, he was cured permanently of his criminal tendencies. So he just needed some new testicles. No, he's not That's criminal all. anymore. So if only... I mean, obviously, th- this is all bullshit because we would know... I mean, there would have been more advances in this. No, this, this thesis says that it worked. And that it's being used currently the, in like, current no, but science? For like the, no, but for like the sexual reproduction, like it did have an effect. But yeah. But now they just invented Viagra, so that's a lot easier. Which was heart medicine that got fucked up. No, no, no. There's something else. Surprise, surprise, Doc, that, doc that, that trial medicine you gave me for my heart, uh, it's having a, another effect. You're going to have to edit out some of the vulgar comments i've made because i don't want your family or my family hearing me talk about this well i'm not editing anything (laughs) please 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 many inmates were undoubtedly influenced by stanley's power of persuasion and by a desire to find his approval because he was basically like he's a sociopath so was this fair and in the name of science and study or was this fucked up you know now the lsd the mustard gas, iron to pregnant women, that's 100% fucked up. Yeah. I think this is a little looser. That's, yeah, it gets a little, the conflict is, lies in that, one, it's being conducted on prisoners, people who have committed criminal acts, but in that time period, well, I mean, even then, like, a criminal could be anything. You could be a criminal for doing anything. Stealing a piece of bread. We read. I read the ad he put. So they did know they weren't going to be able to have children anymore. Right. He didn't hide that part from them. It wasn't like, hey. But was he, so was he offering vasectomies and then going like, ooh, and I I added a little bit of that goat stuff to (laughs) you. No. The people people who got testicle testicle Implant or transplants. Transplants knew they were getting that, and the people that were getting sterilized knew they were getting that. The, each patient knew to a sense what they were getting. They didn't really like have the whole picture because all they could do was get info from the doctor who wanted this to happen. Right. But but he did tell the people that were getting sterilized like you're not going to be able to have kids anymore. He did tell the people. I'm sure I mean, he was like, yeah, I'm gonna... yeah. I don't think it's that inhumane if they knew what they were signing themselves. Well, but to what extent did they understand? Because how yeah. many of these people were educated or understood? Zero. Yeah. So they're like one guy. You've he got a magic magical operation. There's one guy that was educated. He just sat in the corner. He was like, you guys are fucking nuts. Yeah. All right. You know what he's doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I never heard of him before. He wrote a book called, he wrote a really quick book called like my most, my most curious, no, not that word, my most interesting criminals or something like that. Yeah. I I, don't, I bought it for $8 on eBay, so I'm going to have it. True crime book. We'll, I'll, wonderful. I'll let you know. Wonderful. But I don't think, he, I think he's a uh, untrustworthy author. 
Like, I don't know if I can... Well, can... yeah, he's biased. He's, of course he's going to give himself praise and be like, yeah, it worked. It worked by all counts. Well, it's not even about that. He's just, like, chronicling the criminals he met and the crimes oh. they committed and their lives they are. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, that's I'd be want. interested in reading that. Okay, let's move on, because this is kind of running long. Two. Oh. What's that? What time is it? We're at 41 minutes. Wow. Okay. What do we do next? Hey, what was the thing <laughs> we were talking about last night when we came home from the bar? General. Katie asked a good question that I researched. She was like, how come all these same companies start with, like, General Motors, General Electric, General Mills? Do they have something in common? Why are they called General? I always just thought that they were owned by the same bigwigs um, and that it was just different branches of, you know how in small towns there's always, like, one wealthy family that owns the general store, the liquor store, the garage, Mm. And the market, or the green grocer, grocer, and they're all owned by the same person. I thought that's what that was, which is like a bigger scale. We looked it up, and it was because at the time, the late 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s, yeah. He was early 1900s, yeah. Yeah. So many companies were selling things. And they started national. They started like unionizing or national. Like the best example was Standard Oil. Like if you were bought Standard Oil, you knew that if you were in California or Pennsylvania or New Mexico, it the that it was the same exact throughout. quality. That's why they named themselves Standard Oil because there was a standard to it. It wasn't if you just bought like regular oil. It could if you could change, it but could you vary. knew that it was this big company and Standard. Uh, like right now, like universal would be a term we would use now. General was a term back then. It was like, this is the company. So then the companies, when they were coming up with the names for themselves, they're like, let's not get creative. Let's just call ourselves General Mills because our mills, our cereal, our food is the same Yeah. throughout. I, and like a general store totally has everything. That. General Mills had offered everything in the mill category. General right. Electric offered all electrical services. So General Got allowed it. that to get that to get across. God, okay, that makes sense. We don't even think of it as a name anymore. We think of it as we don't even think of it as a term anymore. We just think of it as the name. Yeah. Like they probably like they probably knew it was Mills. So they weren't thinking of it as like we need to name ourselves, guys. They were it's just like, a like well, team. this is what we do. Like the this Knicks. is what we make. The Knicks. The Knicks are coming. And then you're like, the New York Knicks are coming. You knew it was like who they were, where they're from. Mm-hmm. General was just like the adjective. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I understood it better before I started talking. Yeah, I think the New York Knicks thing. I was getting it and then that just kind of. It puts class on Through me. Mm, not as a, No. Tells you where it's coming from. Who it is. Uh, Let's just move on. I think we've made our point, and then we kind of blurred our point a little bit. I don't but... get it. All right. Indulgences. <laughs> Indulgences. Before you disperse. Seen any good movies lately? I would uh, beg your indulgence for a moment. Have you been watching any shows? Uh, <laughs> yes, but I'm too ashamed to admit what they are. Oh, she's been watching Riverdale. <laughs> Is that good? Is that good? No, it's terrible. It's a CW. No, it's a really, it's like a teenage fantasy it's one of those shows where the all the characters are in high school and they dress very sophisticated they act like adults they do things like adults in in telenovelas you know 
not like real adults. Like no one lives a life like that. All their parents and their families are awful people. And then for some reason, the town is leaving it up to these teenagers to like solve crimes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces and it looks horrible. I really just like it because Cole Sprouse is in it. And I'm a big fan of his. Zach and Cody. Yes. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yeah. I like him better in Big Daddy. Yeah. He was pretty cute in that. Um, He's still pretty cute, gotta say. (laughs) He's a good looking boy. I have rewatched season one of Deadwood and love it. Even more than I liked it originally. Last Christmas, my little sister, Ritzy, we all went to a cabin and we watched Newsies, which is a movie we all grew up on. (laughs) And Ritzy said something... Because we were watching it now, and, and she was like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "Well, they went on strike because um, they can't return the newspapers they don't sell." And then at the end, they they don't like they want better wages, so they raise the prices for the newspaper men. There's a real strike that happened. The newsies, the Broadway play, the movie. It's based off that. Anyway, there's like this whole thing. Like, so uh, all right, we won't lower the prices, but any newspapers you don't sell, you get go back. And they organized a union strike for all child labor in. New York City, not just newspaper boys, like shoe shiners, all that. They unionized, they whatever. And I remember watching it with Ritzy last year and she said, I just watched this as on the surface level when I was a kid. She's like, I had no idea. It had all this like depth and like background and actual story. And when she said that, I was like, that's true because I did too. I just think I had watched Newsies more than her, like as an adult, but I'd love to go back and watch some things that I thought I liked. Yeah. And the prime example is Deadwood. I watched it when I was 19 and I was kind of just like, I didn't like pay strict attention. I just knew like, okay, that guy's a good guy. That guy's that guy. That guy's crazy. She's well, when a you're, drunk. Yeah. When you're an adolescent or a child and you're watching movies or shows, your brain can only interpret and absorb the relationships and the character, um, the simple character dynamics. So like you always have a villain. You always have a good guy or a hero. And you always have the sidekicks or the the other people in the background. But you can't really fully understand the plot line or, um, you know, those... those. It's true. It's true how much, like, the brain absorbs then for, like, now. I don't think I'm smarter. I'm probably dumber if I was to take a standardized test. But... Jeez. <laughs> yeah, me too. Deadwood is so... There's so much going on and that they speak like Shakespearean English kind of, like the dialect yeah. is crazy. And now that I use subtitles all the time, I just understand it you way better. Up, yeah. And it's such a good show. Well, Trust the first season. You've also come to a, a point where, I mean, you've studied filmmaking. Yeah. Right? And you have a, a deeper appreciation for, and you're a writer. You love writing. So you have a deeper appreciation for the writing and everything that's involved in creating those plot lines, this character, the character development, and then also in the cinematography. So, I mean, you'd look at it, shows and movies, I mean, in a way that most people don't, but you pick up on so much more than you ever could have as a child. Yeah, and Timothy Oliphant's character, he, he's in that terrible vampire show with Drew Barrymore on Netflix, and he was in Justified. Is it a vampire? I thought it was a zombie show. Zombie show, whatever. Uh... The Clarita Diet? Yeah, Santa Clarita Diet. Whatever, him. I thought he was a bad... When I watched this when I was a teenager, I thought he was like a bad actor in Deadwood. I was like, he just like is stiff. Now, like I mean, I'm not an actor. I I made that web series where we kind of had a sort of (laughs) actor. Like one-tenth of You're not an actor, okay? But now, maybe I just appreciate more. 
it's crazy what he's so angry in every single scene and to bring that to every take and every conversation and have fire like through your eyes, which I didn't notice as a kid. Yeah. Deadwood's a really good show. If you but it's you have you have to want to watch a show and pay attention really hard. Yeah, I just don't like uh western gold rush era just because it was really brutal. It's really harsh. Yeah. It's not and, a not a sexy time, you know. Yep, and I watched Mudbound on Netflix, but we can't talk about that because I just recorded mm. my podcast on Six Pack Cinema. If you want to get that and music, got anything? Um, you played that Brandy Carlisle song for me. I liked that. Oh, we can end with Brandy Carlisle. Music, okay. but music indulgences. It's, I'll say this again. I say it every time. I don't listen to music anymore. Mm, yeah, I just listen to podcasts. All right, well, this one is a, podcast. This is a new song by the we- the Weeks, who are a Southern band. I mm-hmm. want to hear. I really like it. I want to hear what your thoughts are on it. Just they'll play just the beginning, okay. and then we'll end the show with Brandy Carlisle, The Eye, because that is a really pretty song. This is not Brandy Carlisle, The Eye. This is Grind Your Teeth by the Weeks. Let's see what Katie thinks of this. I like the guitar. But not the lyrics. It's not the lyrics. It's the way he's singing? Yeah. And it's the melody. I, it's not, the lyrics in sure are great. I love them. I like the instruments. I just don't think he sings, I think. I'm so particular about music. I'm so picky. Play something else. Play something I think else. he has a harsh way of singing, but I really like that song. It just sounds like he's trying, <laughs> like trying to push it out, you know? Yeah, well, he's like... That was a good impression, right? Yeah. There's a new Dashboard Confessional song out. That's pretty funny. Sounds just like Dashboard Confessional. He tried to change his style for a while, but like... <laughs> go with the times and this one came out just like old school day, which I like which like, you should stick to yeah, yeah I'm right. sure there's a, a huge population of people that are like yes not quite over there I loved Dashboard Confessionals Dash, I loved yeah. Dashboard Confessionals when I was like in 8th grade I don't know that I would like it now I like it <laughs> It's kind of nostalgic. Listen to the chorus. Chorus is coming. Yes, building up, building up. I feel like I'm about to shout on the top of a of a rooftop. That sounds just like Dashboard. Yeah, it does. I was like, all right, haven't changed a beat. All right, uh, that's it. That was a longer one today. Yeah, it was a very interesting topic. What should we do next week? 
I don't know. Send in ideas. They won't, but uh, <laughs> thanks, they won't. Thanks for listening. Do you want to shout out Tracy? She listens every week. Say hi to Tracy. Does Tracy really? Oh, I miss Tracy. Tracy, I miss you so much. All right. Thank, <laughs> thanks to everyone. Uh, see you next week. And what do we say? Brandy Carlisle? The I? Yeah. Brandy Carlisle. All right. Try hard. Do your best. I don't. I need some kind of signing out. Just say bye. Bye. Our strategy, to be honest, is try your hardest, do your best. Try your hardest, do your best. Try your hardest. Really breaks my heart to see a dear old friend. Go down to the worn-out place again Do you know the sound Of a closing door? Have you heard that sound somewhere before? Do you wonder if she knows you anymore? I wrapped your love around me like a chain But I never was afraid that it would die You can dance in a hurricane But only if you're standing in the eye Where did you learn to walk? Where did you learn to run? Away from everything And did you think the bottle would ever ease your pain? Did you think that love's a foolish game? Did you find someone else to take the blame? I wrapped your love around me like a chain. in a hurricane but only if you're standing in the eye you can dance in a hurricane but only if you're standing in the eye dirty soul and there ain't no shame in lying down in the bed you made can you fight the urge to run for another day you might make it further if you learn to stay I wrapped your love around me like a chain But I never was afraid that it would die You can dance in a hurricane But only if you're standing in the eye
you can dance in a hurricane But only if you're standing in the eye 